Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Um, excited to be back this morning. Um, it's always interesting when you go away and you come, it's just coming home is good. I think it's because I'm older. You know, when you're younger, it's, you're more adventurous and you're all over the place, but sleeping in your own bed and, and waking up, you know, and driving your own car and all those things are, are really good things. So it's, it's great to be back here. Hey, just a, another reminder is we're going into Lent, or we're in Lent season, and we have our daily readers. If you haven't started the reading, start now. You can start today. If you haven't started, you can still jump in. But what we're encouraging everyone to do is a daily reading to pray and worship every single day. Hmm, sounds crazy for a Christian, doesn't it? You know, wow, we're going to actually read, pray, and, and do all those things. So we want to encourage you in that. The other thing, when you come in, you see uh, these notebooks here, these fine, fine notebooks that I put together. I didn't put them together. That I bought on Amazon. But we want these for you to grab and come in for notes to, look, take them home when you're reading. Here's the deal. Um, when I sit with my wife, there's an expectation of conversation that takes place. She, once in a while, we go, let's just not talk. Let's just sit here and just be in each other's presence. But there's an expectation. And it's the same thing in our relationship with the Lord. There, there's an expectation in going to the Lord and reading your word and, and listening and taking time to, to stop and listen and write down and take notes of what she's saying. And that's what those are for. So grab those and, and use them for your time when you are um, with the Lord or when you come in here. And if the pastor has anything that's worth writing down, write it down. Take it home and look at it and, and go through it. You know, the, statistically, we know when you leave this place, you remember about 5%, okay? So if you write it down and capture it and you're in your word, um, you'll, it's a little bit different. So we are in a series called How Beautiful the Feet. How beautiful are the feet? Let, let me pray as we get going here because I'm excited about what God's saying and, and what he's doing. So Father, we just pray for this day. Uh, Lord, just deep breath, Lord, to listen to you. God, we thank you for this, this place we're able to meet in. We thank you for your provision. We thank you for your goodness. But God, we, I, I pray that you will uh, allow us to hear what you would want to speak to us today. That, Lord, all of our agendas, all of our stuff that we brought in here, we just, we just lay it down. And God, we believe that, that you're the same today, yesterday, and forever. And that you're speaking to us. So, Lord, we want to receive. Speak to us what you will this morning. In Jesus' precious name, amen. 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 Today, we're going to read some scriptures out of Luke. And it's around lost things. And... Uh, the scripture that we're really is the foundational scripture for what we're doing is out of Romans 10, 15, and it says this, and how are they to preach unless they are sent, as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. And the premise of all of this is around this principle that, that the feet that bring the good news of the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, are beautiful feet, regardless of what they look like. 
hence Eddie talking about my bad feet last week. It's, it doesn't matter what they look like. The good news of Christ is what is, is exciting, what is beautiful are the people that listen and allow God to direct and your feet are running towards the situation, towards the opportunity to preach the gospel and bring hope to someone who has no hope. How beautiful are the feet. And we talked about, um, two weeks ago, I talked about the feet of, of, of those who brought the gospel to me. My mom at a young age and, and another man at, at an older age of 25. And, and I look back and, 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 and you go, God, thank you. And for some of us that, that you have someone that brought the gospel to you, you need to, maybe it's your parents, maybe it's a, another loved one, maybe it's a total stranger, but there's a thankfulness that God, you used that person to bring the gospel that I might have life. And then what happens is it kind of shifts because God, God says this, how beautiful are your feet? How beautiful are your feet that are bringing the good news of the gospel of Christ Jesus? We're going to read from Luke 15, and in speaking of Luke 15, uh, J.C. Riley uh, said that there's probably no chapter of the Bible that has done greater good to the soul of men. It's theologians, there's no greater chapter that brings, um, brings this greater good to the soul of men. And you're going to see that today and why that is. And it's around this chapter that we talk about these lost things. Jesus talks in these parables. And one parable with three stories back to back to back with the same theme in it about lost things. Something is lost, that loss leads to a searching, and then retrieval brings rejoicing. So when you think in the context of what we're going to read, that is what is going on. That is what's happening. And, and there's a purpose behind what Jesus is saying. Lost things are very... This week while I was in Austin and, and we were speaking at a, a marriage conference, Chris and I, and uh, we spoke like six times. It was, it was a lot. So, but in between one of them, I went outside with all my stuff and I, I, I put my phone on my roof of the cars and I was talking to people. And... <laughs> Don't, already, what do you mean no? Well, like, I, you don't think I took it down? You're already just guessing that I did the wrong thing, which you would be right. Okay, thank you. Um, I put it there, and then I put, then I, for some reason as we're talking, I put my bag in the car. We're getting ready to go to lunch in between sessions, and I said, well, just shoot me the address of where we're going. And I'm like, but I hadn't gotten the car to drive away. All of a sudden, I'm like, where's my phone? Oh, you guys are laughing because you've done it, haven't you, Marilyn? You're laughing because you feel my pain. And that, you know, that frantic pain that comes on when something that you perceive as important is lost. And all of a sudden, I've got the pastor and his wife and his staff and my wife and my other buddy that's there. We're all looking everywhere for this phone. And we're digging through my bag and we're looking in the car in case I dropped it down there. And we're retracing my steps. And you were talking to these two ladies and you had your phone in your hand because you were asking a question. And they're trying to track me back through it. And, and I looked on top of the car and I, I didn't see it. It had this little indention in it. And, and, and they're like, find your iPhone. So I get on there and do the find your iPhone thing. And it gives the general vicinity. And finally, after being frantic about what's going on, uh, Andrea, the pastor's wife, is standing behind the car and she's looking at the roof. And there's a little cutout on the roof. And it was right there where I left it. Now, I mind you, I'd already moved the car somewhere else and it didn't fall out. 
But lost things being found, there was a rejoicing. There was a rejoicing. There was a few people that said I was an idiot. There, I was rejoicing. I don't care that I'm an idiot. I was rejoicing that I found this phone. There's something about that. And, and Jesus is laying this foundation about lost things being found. Now, it's interesting how it starts, though. When we look at Luke 15, it says this. Now, the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. It's, this is, this is, sets the table for what Jesus is about to talk about. The parable is a response to religion. The parable is a response to self-righteous people. The parable is, is you've got these, these Pharisees that are sitting around. They go, hey, this Jesus guy is hanging out next to the bar. Hey, this Jesus guy put a church next to a nightclub. Hey, this Jesus guy isn't talking to us religious guys. He's talking to them. You know who them is. Anybody that you don't deem to be a Christian. Who are you to deem them to be a Christian or not? That's a whole nother subject. The, the parable of the lost in, in Luke 15 represents three different kinds of people who are lost. Now, when, when you think about your life, put yourself in a category. We're all in a category. We're all in a category, like it or not. Now, I'm not saying this is the most comprehensive, but, but think through. The first one, some know they are lost, but do not know how to return. They don't know how to get back. Some are unaware that they're even lost. Just completely clueless. Some know they're lost and how to get back. Lost things found. The religious leaders didn't care about the lost things. Lost people. They cared about what they looked like. They cared about how they presented themselves. They cared about what they said, the words, and what they wore, what their buildings looked like. Preachers and sneakers. Has anybody ever seen that? Is it, you guys know what that is? Yeah. Gosh, there's this whole, is it Instagram? Instagram. Instagram <laughs> that they follow these, these preachers that have expensive sneakers, preachers and sneakers. But not like $1,000. They are $1,000 sneakers. They're like preachers and sneakers. It, it, you know, uh, the, I don't know. How did I get there? Does anybody know how I got there? <laughs> how are we talking about preachers and sneakers when we're talking about lost things other than they should lose those? Uh, okay, sorry. <laughs> it's been a long week, but God is good. <laughs> Thank you. My question to us is who's sitting around you? Who sits around you regularly? Religious people? Do you, have, have you surrounded yourself by all the Christians that say the right things? All, all the Christians that, that sit at a table and pontificate around, you know, uh, uh, equality and, and, and fairness and, and gas prices and, and all these, you know, the, the President of the United States and whether the Saints will ever win a Super Bowl again or not. You know those people, the religious people? I love you, Heidi. Or, or, or do you sit right in the middle of the mess? Look, the religious people, apparently they don't need Jesus. 
Because they already got it. I want to be right in the middle of the mess. I want to be right in the middle of, of, of those who, who, who maybe aren't the pretty people. I don't mean that physically. They maybe don't have their stuff together. I got in trouble. I, I cussed three times at the marriage conference and I thought it was, complete, it was completely appropriate. The context was absolutely right. And my wife yelled at me. And she didn't yell at me. She got mad at me. lost things. Who's, who are you sitting next to? Who's around you all the time? If you're always around the religious people that are telling you the things that you want to hear, you're running in some of the wrong circles. Because there are lost things, lost people, who need the hope of your life, Christ Jesus in you. But we're so consumed with being in the, those places, we miss out. So Jesus tells these parables this parable in three forms and, and he, he starts here number one with the lost sheep and he says this so he told them this parable what man of you having a hundred sheep if he lost one of them does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it and when he is found it he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing now, that's an interesting, if you read um, some of the commentaries, what they talk about is this, that these wandering sheep, sheep, let's just be real clear here. The Bible talks about sheep as congregation. You guys know that. That's the analogy news. Do you know that sheep are stupid? They're some of the dumbest animals out there. Now, you fill in the correlation, you know, but uh, it, come on. Sheep are stupid. So sheep would wander from the, the, the shepherd. And the shepherd would literally, this, I'm reading these commentaries and I read it a couple of times. They would, they would break the sheep's leg and then reset it. I'm like, whoa. And, the, and, and, and then the sheep, they'd keep it right by him. And you know what? The sheep would never wander from the, from the shepherd again. I, and I go, this is cruel, but then I look at our lives and I see how many times our legs metaphorically have been broken. I'm, I'm running, I'm wandering, and my leg is broken by an event in life that happens that just kind of takes the wind out from underneath me. And then, and then God heals that break, and I go, i got to be by your side. I don't want to wander out there anymore. And there's these lost sheep, and once he finds them, he throws them on their shoulder, because he had just done that to them, and wrapped them, and reset them, and, and brings them back. And when he comes home, he calls together all of his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you that there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents, and over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. This, this lost sheep, the sheep may have contributed to being lost, and knew it, and it was lost, but it had no idea how to get back. There was no directions on how to get back. And there's this whole group of sheep that are out there that know they're lost. They've wandered away, but have no way to get back. The shepherd has to go and search for the sheep and bring them back. Look, when we talk about generalizing the shepherd, look, you, me, the church, we are the church. God doesn't just use a shepherd. I am a shepherd of this church. But you also have this 
responsibility as shepherds to go and bring and bring the hope of the gospel to others and bring them back in. The shepherd had to go and search for the sheep and bring it back. Literally, there's a searching for. Jesus is talking to the, the religious leaders. And the religious leaders are what they are. And Jesus goes, let me tell you about a parable about who I am and what I do. I pursue. And some of you know what that, that's like. Because God pursued you for years. And he didn't give up on you. And he came after you. And he came after you. And he came after you. I, I love the songs that you chose, Haley. It's all about this relentless pursuit of, of, of the ones that are lost. And God comes after you. You go, no, not yet. And God comes after you. You go, no, not yet. And God comes after you. You go, I'm not ready yet. And God continues to pursue us. That blows my mind. And then when one is found, there's this great celebration for the one. What about the 99 that didn't go anywhere? You know what, if their hearts aren't like the Pharisees and the religious people, you know what they're doing? They're celebrating. You wanna know if you're religious or not? Then think about this. Would you celebrate that the shepherd left the 99, left you? Oh, well, I need to be fed. I need you to take care of me. Would you celebrate when he brings the one back? The one that was the squirrely one? <laughs> Verse 7, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. There's a celebration that takes place when someone encounters Jesus as he pursues and pursues and pursues. And for some of us in here today, God's been pursuing you and he's still pursuing you. And you go, I don't know. And some of you have wandered off and God's like, I'm still pursuing. And he's calling you back in. The second one is a lost coin. And, and let me set the, the foundation for this. So the, the coins, when women would get married, they would have 10 coins and they'd wear them as a, a garment on their head that would identify them as having been married. Okay? So when, when we look at this, the, the context that, that Jesus is talking about is as a, a woman who has her 10, that one has fallen and they have lost, which puts her in the state of panic because she wants to be described or seen as the wife of whomever the man is she just married. So all of a sudden we have this picture of what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and sweep diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me for I've found the coin that I've lost. Just so I tell you there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. I love this. The coin became lost. No fault of the coin. No fault of their own. Well, you, you, ever, you ever hear that argument, you know? Look, I, I had a rough life. I had a tough life. We didn't get to pick our lives. No one in the womb said, I want to be here, born to them, in this place, this time, this way, looking this good, or uh, whatever. I wasn't talking about me. No one gets that choice. The coin, through no fault of his own, did not know it was lost and could not find its way back. Look, think about that. There's so many people that are walking, don't even know they're lost, have no context of even being lost. And the woman had to go and search for the coin and bring it back. He pursues. 
Look, this, everything that he's talking about in here is, is this, this beauty of God pursuing you, wanting relationship with you, loving you so much that even when you say, he goes, I'm going to continue to pursue I'm going to keep coming. This is the God that we serve. This is why Jesus died on the cross. So that you and I could have a relationship. And he pursues. And he pursues. And he's pursuing some of you today. He's pursuing right now. And he continues to pursue. Even in your foolishness, he continues to pursue you because that's who he is. He pursues. And there's this great celebration. When she had found it, she called together all of her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. That is God and who he is. Third one, the lost son. We all know the story of the lost son. Let's read it. He said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to their father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. But many days later, the young son gathered all that he had, took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to the citizens of the country, who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, one translate, when he came to his senses, literally when he, when he saw rightly, how many of his father's hired servants had more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to, the, to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you am I, no long, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Oh, sorry. But the father said to the servant, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And they began to celebrate. The third parable that Jesus is talking about, the son became lost on his own decision. He understood he was a son of the father. He understood who, what his name was. But he made a decision to go and be on his own, to walk away from the Father, to walk away from what he knew to be true. He knew he was lost, but he also knew that how to get back. And the Father had waited for him to return and didn't go searching for him. Now there's a contrast here. On one hand, God is searching, he's searching, he's searching. On the other hand, we see in scriptures a time where God goes, okay, let me let you sit in whatever it is you're searching for. And as you're searching for that and you see you've had a revelation of who I am, and as you see that it's not gonna give you what you thought it was, it's not gonna promise you and give you what you thought it would give you, the satisfaction, what God knows is this, you know how to get home. You know how to get home. And the Father not only is waiting for him, but he runs. 
He, he patiently awaits for his son who had basically said, gave him the finger. He patiently waits. And then when he sees him returning, he runs to him. Now, if I'm the father, and the way I've responded so many times in my life as a father, and my son's coming back, oh yeah, now you want me because you're, you're hungry? Yeah, none of you have acted like that. I'm the only idiot here. Okay. You know what I'm talking about with your kids. But God doesn't respond that way. In fact, when we look at it, it, the description of this Hebrew father who was in his garments, it would be so just against culture for in his robe a dignified rabbi to go and run and expose his feet and run like he was doing to his son. It would never happen. Yet, this is exactly what God does. He runs to us. He, run, he waits patiently, and he runs to us. There's this time between, you know, when I started in the ministry, what people, what they, the ministers would always tell us, they'd say, you know, your kids, and, and raise up your child the way they should go, and they should never depart. You guys heard that scripture? It's true, but what they didn't tell me is a lot of times there's gaps between that. Between raising up as you, as you, you, you think you should, and then them going squirrely, and then coming back. Of course, none of my children were like that. They all just from day one. Everyone to a T has been that. So when it happened originally with my kids, I was like, we're a little freaked out. Wait, you guys told us to tramp a child the way they should go. They'd never depart. It was a slap in the face. But, but here's what I know. And when I look at this scripture to a T, my, my children have, have all, you know, had their experience have walked away and when they come back we've embraced we, we've embraced I, I told you the story about Hudson when we were at the school you know a couple of year a year ago or summer ago I, you, I just go to church because you're a pastor I don't believe in all the stuff you believe in I said okay you don't have to believe all the stuff I believe in but you're going to church because that's what we do and then did I, did I, have I told this story something I tell so that that year he goes back to play hockey and uh um he gets hurt and he and i'm trying to remember he got a concussion or something happened and he called me and he's like dad will you pray for me i'm like you don't believe in jesus why would i pray for you that's such good parenting right there <laughs> such good parenting and then we laughed he's like oh come on dad and i prayed for him obviously but but it, it's there's just you know Sidebar, and I think I've told this statistic before, but Barna did a study on, on parenting and says this, that parents who allow their children to explore, uh, parents who allow their children to say there's no God, instead of freaking out and going, you've got to believe in God and you're going to come to church and you're going to pray with us every day and read the Bible. Parents who don't do that and go, okay, I'm a, and, but live that, that life of a Christian, it said like 70 some percent of those kids come back to church. Parents who go, no, you're going to believe religious and grind their children? It was like 20-some percent. It's crazy the disparity. Why? God is patient. He patiently waits. He knows that. God knows that, that if you go and do and squander and, and all the, the, the things you're trying to experience, He knows that it won't fill you up. He patiently waits. Then He runs right to you. It's crazy. There's this great celebration. 
The father said to the servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. And each time that we speak of the lost, there's a celebration. We see three types of people that are lost here. Some know they are lost but do not know how to return. Some are unaware that they're even lost. And some know they are lost and know how to get back. And God treats each of us according to our situation. He treats us each with these principles. Principles of the kingdom of God are this. Lost things result in a search. Lost things. From Genesis to Revelation, it's about a God that loves me so much that he's pursuing me. He's going after me. He's pursuing even when I say, I don't want you. He continues to pursue. And then sometimes he loves me so much that he goes, just go. Because I'm going to let you eat of what the pigs eat, knowing full well that you're coming back. He patiently waits, running a retrieval, brings rejoicing. In each case, we see this great rejoicing. Why? Why does God respond and act like that? Have you heard that? If you just go stop, always ask the why question. Look, am I preaching up here? Why did he say that? Don't just take what I say. Look at the Bible, take what I say, match them up. And ask the why question constantly. It's not a why of lack of faith. It's a why of God give me understanding. So, so why does God, why does Jesus, having been with these, these Pharisees, now tell one, two, three parables, the same thing about lost and going after? One word, image. Image. God and Jesus in this parable tells this parable because you and I are made in the image of God. Look at the scripture in Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us make man in our image. You are image bearers of the creator of heaven and earth. After our likeness, he says, just like us. And let them have domain over the fish and the sea and all of the birds and the heavens and over the livestock and over the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. You and I are image bearers in the likeness of God. Image speaks distinctly to holy, to be set apart. Can you imagine that? That you are an image, you are made in the image of God. You want to know why abortion is is so heinous to God? Do you want to know why? Because you're killing the image of God. If we're created in the image of God, and God is God... I'm going to put that qualifier out there. God is God. He's other than. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He sees beginning to end all these things. You want to know why it's such a disdain abortion? Because you're killing his very image. And you're saying this. I know better about this mistake than you do, God. And God goes, what mistake? I'm sovereign. And how do you know I can't take what you see as a mistake and make it incredibly beautiful? In spite of you. And, and I, look, let's, let's tick some people off and draw some lines and, and move some people out of this church. If you have a problem with, don't have a problem with abortion, this is the wrong church. Period. Women's choice. God's choice because we're image bearers of God. A woman's body, yes. 
How did that go out the window when this whole pandemic came down, though? Oh, it's a women's bar. I, don't, I did not want to go this. I didn't even mean to go in this place, but I've been on a plane and preaching marriage things and praying for crazy marriages, and uh, it's just stuff. Look, if you have a problem with this word, it's, it's not me you have a problem with. It's, it's God's word and the fact that there's a child that has been created in his image. And we so just flippantly go, that's ah, my choice. Look, let me say this. Therefore, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. My wife aborted a child in college. She would tell you that. And there's still pain with it today, and we still deal with it today. It's not condemnation. I don't go, oh, Chris, what about that baby you killed? I don't do that. But there's a brokenness, understanding that we're image bearers of God, and there was a child that was in the image of the creator of heaven and earth, and in his likeness. And in our selfishness, decided to go, eh, I'm be God for a day. Likeness speaks to attributes, humility, wisdom, power, knowledge, nature, character. Let me say it again and clarify by the Spirit of the Lord. If you've had an abortion here, I'm not, there's no con. God is good and He, he, he pursues and he, he forgives and, and He restores. So th- th- I'm not saying, I just, but from here on out, if you walk out these doors and you still believe that and you still stand for that, you can keep coming, but, but know that we have a, we, this is what the Word says. But God is gracious and good. It speaks to likeness and image. Why, why is he so adamant about lost things? Because the things that are lost are in his image. The things that are wandering, the people out there who have no hope, are image uh, bearers of God. You, me, when we had no hope, we're, we're in the likeness of God. And he goes, he pursues and he comes after and he comes after and he pursues. Genesis 2, 17, the Lord God formed the man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature, distinctly different from the animals and the angelic beings. Three categories of creation, and were uniquely created in his likeness and who he is. We can't fully understand why he goes after lost things until we fully understand who we are. And some of us don't believe it. Some of you, some, some of you are, are, are in this, this, this beaten down state and God just goes, no, you're just, you, you're, you're made in my image. It, it's like when I, you know, natural and spiritual and, and, and with my kids, I'm like, you're blue, come on. Come on, I see so much more in you than, than you even see. There's so much more to, to come out of you. And you're a blue. This is who we are and this is what we do. And God goes, you're a child of mine. You're, you're created in my likeness, in my image. And I have so much for, for you. If you just grab a hold of it and believe. If you just grab a hold of it. Understanding creation and who you are is so critical to, to, to looking at this parable and the fact that, that God just pursues. He's going after those who are... Look, if, if 
my, my child was lost, I would find, I would pursue, I would shut down everything to find them. I think Shirley did in Target once when she lost one of my kids. She had Target shut down so she could find this kid, literally. It was crazy. It, you know, she knew, it, and I think they were hiding in the coat rack or in the, the coat thing or something, and, and it's just, we pursue and we pursue and we pursue, we pursue, and God is pursuing us and you today. Why? Because you're in his likeness and because he loves you. If we can just grasp that, when you walk out this door, you should be changed just a little bit. When you think about all the stuff, you, know, it, it, you realize that in spite of all the stuff that I have, God made me in his likeness. And then, then I go, wait, I'm an image bearer of God. The priests in the Old Testament, literally, when you look at the intricacies of how they were to dress, and one of them they had this gold helmet on their head, and across the, the, the head was a, a jewel, and it said, holy, holy, holy. It said they are holy, and they're identified. And, and when you were, were, were bought with a price of Jesus on the cross, he painted across you, he renamed you, said, holy, you are holy, because of what Jesus did. But we're walking around, and, and we think, well, we're not we're not this and we can walk into things and have problems and things and struggle with things but God looks at us because of the blood of Jesus as his holy chosen ones how do you look at yourself how, how are you looking at yourself you're an image bearer Deuteronomy 14 2 you've been set apart as holy to the Lord your God and he has chosen you from all the nations of the earth to be your own special, to be his own special treasure. You're a special treasure. And some of you don't feel that way. Some of us were, 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 didn't have great parents and in fact they're idiots. The Bible says to still honor them. But, but look, even bigger than this is, is that you are his special treasure. Father God. Regardless of what your earthly parents did, regardless of what a stupid husband did, regardless of what a, a, a wife did, you're a special treasure to the creator of heaven and earth. 1 Peter 1, 16, you should be holy for I am holy. He declares your holiness by the blood of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, the new has come. You're a new creation in Christ. You're, not, you're a new creation in Christ. You're not what you were. You may feel like what you were. You may experience what you were. But you're a new creation in Christ. You're a new creature in Christ. And you're an image bearer of the, the creator of heaven and earth, God Almighty. And if you could just see that, if you could grab a hold of that, when you walk out these doors, you'll be a different person. And then you go into your old person. And you go, okay, God. And then you go into, okay, God, this is who I am. It's a constant battle for us. But know that you know that you know when you come into a relationship with the creator of heaven and earth through Jesus and his blood, you are a new creation in Christ. And you're an image bearer. You look like the Father. You look like the Father. 
You look like the Father. I, I, I love when someone says, man, your kid looks like you. It's just, there's something about it. How your son, your daughter really look, actually, I like it more when they say, man, they really look like your wife, because that's much better. It's much easier on the eyes. But there's something to the DNA. That's my son, that's my daughter. And God says, that's what I'm saying. It's DNA. I created you in my likeness. I created you in my likeness. And you look just like the Father. It's powerful. It should set you free. It should bring peace. No matter what the world tries to take away, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what disease, what pain, what, what, whatever, I'm an image bearer of the Father. Powerful. Because the Father goes after lost things. He searches, he calls out, he pursues, he seeks. Genesis 3, 9. Right after they had sinned. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? Now let's think about that. Does God really not know where they are? He knows exactly where they are. But he wants them to think. He goes, where are you? For some of us in here today, God's asking you the question, where are you? Where are you? And he's saying this, that today, today, you can have eternal life. For the Son of Man comes and seek and save that which is lost. Why? Because I'm a father and you bear my image. God is good. God is good. He's a father that bears the image of his children. Why did uh, C.R. Riley say this? Why did he say that there's probably no chapter of the Bible that has done greater good for the souls of men? Because even as you are in your whatever you're in, you can know that you know from Luke 15 that God's coming after you. He's not going to let you down. He's pursuing you. He's pursuing you. Oh, what, what just joy. If you could, think about this as a parent. If you can get that in your children, I'll never let you go. I'll find you. I don't care where you are. I will find you and pursue you. You can never leave me. What security that brings. And God the Father is saying the same to you and I today. You can't lose me. You look like me. And when you walk out these doors, someone should say, you look like someone. That's what Jesus has called us to. You look like someone. Someone different. You look like Jesus because you're his hands and feet. You look like Jesus because there's a joy that I, I don't know how to explain. You look like Jesus because there's a hope even in the middle of your crap. You look like Jesus because... They, whatever's hitting you can't, doesn't get you down. You look like Jesus because you're always smiling. You look like Jesus because you forgive. You look like Jesus because you're kind. You look like Jesus because you're generous. That's why he said that. Hope. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. 
How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news of the gospel of Christ, death, burial, and resurrection. How good are those, the feet of those who bring that. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time this morning. God, I thank you for your word and the God that you pursue. God, you pursue. You come after. Lord, that we are, we are image bearers of you. God, thank you. Lord, I, I pray that, Lord, if there's anybody in here that, that doesn't feel worthy, God, I, we just, we say no. You're an image bearer of Christ. You're created in his image. God, if there's anyone here that, that needs you, that, that, that wants to have that relationship, your word says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. God, that we would pray that prayer. Lord, I thank you for these men and women. Lord, let us be image bearers as we leave this place and know who the Father is. We thank you for this time this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.